Hey everyone, welcome back to Lockdown Cavs. We're back. Uh, obviously, you missed, you missed us on Friday, so sorry about that. But we are back here on Monday for a weekend weekend recap edition covering Cavs Celtics, covering Cavs Pistons, and looking ahead to Cavs Celtics round two on Monday night in Cleveland. That's all coming up today on Lockdown Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. <laughs> You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Evan, two people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a very bad joke here as we start off. Two things were Dos Acero this weekend. United States men's national team beating Mexico 2-0 and the Cleveland Cavaliers winning two games over the weekend. It's 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 good vibes over here. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, man. Real good vibes all around. I'm a, I, I took a mental health day this Sunday. I worked uh, the charge game Thursday night, the Cavs game Friday night, and the and the Cavs game Saturday night as well. So I was a little tired today. So went and saw the Eternals. Um, probably way too long of a movie in my opinion. I didn't enjoy it very much. I, I understand what they're trying to do with it. It's a groundwork movie, but. Really sloppy in execution. I think it's just too big of a cast, but it's nice to see Jon Snow and Rob Stark on screen together again. And also every time Rob Stark said Cersei, I was just like, huh, he's finally going to kill her. So yeah, but yeah, if, if you know, you know. But how was your weekend before we dive into the Cavs? Uh, good. Snow's here. It's officially uh, kind of wintry in the Cleveland area. Excited for people being mad about that at All-Star. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. But the Evan, the Cavs win two games again this weekend. Beat the Pistons on Friday, ninety-eight to seventy-eight. Uh, just absolutely throttled the bad Pistons team. Evan Mobley, <laughs> I, I get it. You, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Darius Garland had twenty-one points, eight of fourteen shooting, seven assists in that one. Evan Mobley, sixteen seven uh, on six of ten shooting to go with two steals and three blocks. Kate Cunningham in the matchup of potential rookie of the years had nine points on four of eight shooting, six rebounds, three assists, and seven turnovers for the Pistons. Evan, for me, not a lot to take away from that one. Just kind of no. a game the Cavs should have won and then did. Obviously, the, the kind of bummer there would be Lamar Stevens sprains his ankle, um, was on one crutch on Saturday, um, and yeah. is going to be out for a little bit, it seems like, but they won the yeah. game handily otherwise. Yeah, they did. The Lamar injury was a lot scarier than it actually seemed. He took a pretty hard fall, so fortunately it was just an ankle sprain. You were, you feared that it was an actual tendon like popped during that fall. Yeah, JB was asked about it pregame the following night against Boston. He more or less just said, we'll see. Uh, looking ahead to Monday's game, Lamar is listed out still, so not no heart and soul barking for the Cavs right now, but at least you can still sit on the sidelines with them. Yeah. My takeaways from the Pistons game are the Pistons are not very good. I didn't know how bad they were offensively in terms of three point shooting until stat Muse started tweeting out those graphics. I'm just like, Oh God, they really are that bad. Um, I think my other takeaway for the Cavs, other than the fact that Evan Mobley is probably going to win rookie of the year at this point, if he carries this momentum, I'm intrigued to see what happens when he does hit that rookie wall and how he gets through it. But my biggest takeaway is the Cavs finally look like a competent team where this wasn't a trap game. They came in and handled a bad Detroit team and they won wire. It was a wire to wire ass kicking like full stop for the Cavs. And that's encouraging if they want to be a serious team about making the playoffs so that they can handle these bad teams like Detroit and not kind of play down to their level. Yeah, I, I think there is still going to I'm just waiting for like whenever the 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 bump in the road sort of comes. It's but I, but I think it is a good sign that 
they beat a Pistons team who is bad, who is objectively one of the the very worst teams in the league up there with, you know, Oklahoma City and Houston and Orlando well, and like the Pistons not are bad. So fast, my friend. The Thunder are winning. <laughs> like, yeah, the well, Kings but, had a meltdown last night. Yeah, but the th- yeah, the but like, night. well, are the Thunder gonna be this in like four months? But they've they've three really good guys. I would love Lou Dort on the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I who, love Poku when he ascends to his final form. So when in like twenty years, when he's like added some weight, I'm good. Um, the Pistons aren't good. The Cavs took care of business. The first game they were favored in all season, and they they absolutely destroyed the Detroit. Good for them. Um, if they can pick a, a, something to watch this year is if the Cavs are going to make a real run at the playoffs, at the play-in. Um, right now, just for what it's worth, the 538 model has gone from the Cavs being a 1% playoff team to a 15% chance in their model right now. It's a very big jump in a relatively short amount of time. Well, you know what else is a big jump? Uh, cleaning the glass has them on pace to win 44.4 games yeah this if, year. if if these if it their makes, numbers yeah they if, maintain this rate yeah if their numbers like as I'm, they are now I'm hold starting to buy in yeah thing. yeah i'm a little like 44 wins feels like a lot to me you well, know jb would win coach of the year because cleveland would probably be at least a top four seed with 44 wins at least host the first round i i'm not thinking that far ahead it is impossible to to think that far ahead for about any of this to be. It is it is still very early in, in what we're navigating here, but like if they're going to make a real run at this, beating a team like the Pistons, it doesn't matter if it's 20 points, it doesn't matter if it's two points. Those wins cash the same, and if they can rack up wins against these bad teams, um, they play Orlando coming up, for instance. That's like a game that if you want to make a real run at this, you got to clean as many of those up as you possibly can. The Celtics game, on the other hand, which I think we're spending a lot of time on. um dreadful. One of the... One of the most Buckwild Cavs games I have watched in a long time. Buckwild's a good way to put it, man. That's because why I'm, the, I'm relatively okay with words. I'm glad you are. I'm, despite losing your fingers and your hands, you're still doing okay. But mm. the fact that the Cavs scored nine points in the first quarter and then somehow found a pulse I, offensively <laughs> like midway into the third and then came back and watched. I mean, Boston fell apart in spectacular fashion in the fourth, but in my mind after the first quarter, I'm like, they're coming off the second of a back to back. This is a pretty good Boston team. Like Ime Yodoka is out coaching JV Bickerstaff. I'm like, it's going to be a pretty easy Saturday night. And then I'm just like, I don't get it. I, J.B. Bickerstaff said it best. By all sense of logical basketball conviction, Cleveland should not have won this game. He used a lot of sports cliches. He's like, we never gave up and just things like that. Like credit where credit's due to J.B. He knew what they needed to do to win. He said it was pretty much playing Ricky Rubo the entire second half and playing Evan Mobley 40 minutes. I don't know if that's necessarily sustainable every no, single no, game. No, those those two things, Rubio playing as well as he has, I think there's like some dip that will happen because he's just playing like yeah, he's got the highest usage of his career right now, and and Mobley playing 40 minutes is a lot. But like, I mean, this was a game Evan where Denzel Valentine played in the first quarter and like played like <laughs> like played some actual minutes. Like as you alluded to, this is it. The Cavs scored nine points in the first quarter, 37 I believe, or 38 in the first half. It's a season low. Here's some offensive numbers from the first half. 77.6 offensive rating, effective field goal percentage of 37.2, 12 of 29 from the field, which is 31%, 5 of 20 from three. Uh, that's, you know, pretty low. And then in just in terms of how just uncomfortable they were, 47% of the Cav- percent of the Cavs shots in the first half, according to the clean of the glass, were from three. Evan, 
do you have a rough idea of what number percentage of shots the Cavs actually normally take from three on a, on a, on a normal night? Like what is like, what is the percentage of shots you think they take from three in terms of their entire shot? Profile, yeah. Just, just like 25, 30%. Okay. So 34%, um, which is the 23rd, yeah, 23rd rate in the league. They were just like, okay, like we don't know what to do here. And, and they just kind of had to like, figure some stuff out and it was like really the only person who like really played well was uh for the first half of that game was was Darius Garland for a lot of that the part of that game like everything just kind of looked out of sorts like there's there's moments where like guys did the right thing and they just kind of botched the ball like not they just never looked comfortable and Celtics to their credit I thought did a lot of stuff that made the Cavs uncomfortable there was these really hard doubles inside and they were fact they were re- they're making the Cavs move the ball and then react and the Cavs just weren't comfortable just like reading and reacting in those situations like that no. to speak to the Rubio of it all like he's a guy who's obviously going to be able to handle that and like they didn't um have a ton of that you know what I mean like there, there was a lot of that that was that was tricky for them to navigate yeah, there really was a lot for them that was tricky for them to navigate. I actually have a few takeaways from notes I took. I noticed like that maybe we should maybe hit a quick pause, read some ads real quick, pay those bills and come back because I I am a big Emi Udoka believer. I think Boston's offense is as bad as advertised. I think I'll see it to take that with a grain of salt because Jalen Brown didn't play. But defensively the Celtic squad is really scrappy and I think I kind of have a reason why they're able to defend Cleveland so well, but let's talk. Let's take a quick break, Chris, and read some ads. Why don't you yeah. tell us about today's first sponsor? Yeah, first up, we got our friends at Price Picks, who have the best NBA DFS prop bet game on the market. They offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and offer all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. PrizePix offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns and even interceptions thrown. All of your users that deposit. With the promo code NBA, get a deposit matchup to $100. All you got to do as a user is pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus those projected numbers. They allow mixed sports entries. You could take, let's say, the over on, let's say, Evan Moby Blocks, and then the under on on Darius Garland in in the same sense. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. And use their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. They are safe and easy and offer fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to your App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so that you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device acquired. Content varies by package. Stuck. Just stuck the landing there. You landed. You landed that plane well. Good. Good job, buddy. Uh, uh, Evan, pitch. Pitch me your theories. I'm going to make you keep talking. Pitch me your theories on on what Boston was doing that you thought well, I thought worked. Something I noticed Boston do really well was they switched from man defense to zone a few times to kind of force the Cavs to shoot because Isaac Coros hasn't been gun shy in the last two games for Cleveland. I think he has made. 
one of 13 three-pointers between his game against Detroit and Boston. I could be wrong on that, but that's just off the top of my head. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but Isaac's been gunning from three. Spencer Davies actually asked JV about that after the Pistons game, or he's like, I JB said I'd more or less would rather Isaac close out on his defender and try and attack the basket because he's his strength is, is a slasher right now hey, instead hey, of as a three-point shooter. Hey, Evan, who has said that the strength of Isaac Okoro? Name, name, name is... It's Chris Manning. It's me. I said that. Oh, name rhymes with Chris Manning. It's Chris Manning. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, you're 100% right here. You're spot on on the Isaac evaluation. But the problem is... I, I, Evan, I'm also one, in the process of watching every single shot he's ever taken in his career, and my brain hurts a little bit. So we'll, we'll, we'll write, be writing about that. We'll be talking about that. It's going to be a fun time oh, for we everyone will. involved. We will. we will do a really legitimate breakdown, I think, on a few key players in Cleveland's rotation. Um, David Zavak, put your full name in, in on your Twitter <laughs> bio, you coward. Get rid of the apostrophe. Let's go. Um, but the thing is the Isaac as well being trigger happy from three is he hasn't been available for media. So no one's been really able to ask him yet. Like, why are you taking so many three pointers out there? Teams do not respect Isaac at all on the perimeter. Like he's was floating on the perimeter against Detroit. And I noticed it, but I really noticed it against Boston because they, I basically would have like a free safety, whether it was Grant Williams helping pack the pain or Jason Tatum or Marcus Smart switching off of Darius Garland. The, the like sm- the smart one where Smart was his man and was just in help was yeah. like was like it, it, the was like, oh okay. Like we're just gonna like, like it wouldn't shock me, Evan, if on Monday Smart is defending Garland from the jump and Horford is just stashed on on Okoro just hanging. If Horford just didn't play on Saturday, well, it's probable for Monday. It wouldn't shock me if they're just like, we're going to treat Isaac like a big and just like be weird with it. It wouldn't shock me if, if they decided well, to do there's that. times they put Schroeder on Garland and mm-hmm. then they would put Smart on Okoro or Tatum on Okoro mm-hmm. and then Garland would be bringing the ball up and they would just force a double on him and frustrate yep. Darius. And yep. like Darius is clearly getting frustrated with how Boston is defending him on the perimeter yep. and like he broke it down. That's great, but... Again, it's, Mac it's Jones not, asked a really me. good question. Mac Robinson. Sorry, now Alabama, Jones, Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. Yeah, McCorkle Jones. Think about how he kicked the Patriots' ass today. Kicked the Browns' uh, ass. Or the Browns' ass today. I'm just all over the place right now. But that's why I'm like, here. I'm. I'm. You're. He, you're. You're in. The, you're in the sidecar, and I'm. I'm I here know. just steering you along, patting you on the back. Driving, you're driving. You're driving. Driving. Leanne's purple hog right now, but sure. with the sparkle accents and the yellow flames because she's a secret vikings fan and also it's her school colors but we won't out it where she works shots but to, wait, no, um, well no no shot i we have some oh, kids yeah we have a listener shouts key, shouts to the keystone eighth grade class with mrs manning you're the best and uh you know you kids use youtube hit subscribe anyway continue <laughs> so it's just the boston and emi odoka just more or less knows like listen isaac can float on the perimeter all he wants if we pack the paint he cannot slash and also we can just force doubles on Darius Garland since Darius is a smaller guard that's the difficulty of it I think that's where you really feel the absence of Colin Sexton other than the fact that when the offense bogs down in the Cavs need an easy bucket that's where it gets tough the same thing can be said for Larry, not having Larry Marketing or Kevin Love out there too because at least those two have three-point gravity mm-hmm. and a team like Boston has to respect that but and and, and, I, it, and I, it, I think Marketing has held up better defensively than Dean Wade has just straight exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. Straight up. Like, it's just the reality of the situation, too. I just think that Markinen is two steps above the type of player. And Dean Wade's played well. I'm just not saying. And and I I wrote about this in the links post. Like, he's a success story if you're looking at, like, finding, like, fringe roster talent, like, for cheap. Like, he's a oh, success a, story in that. Like, it's, the, it's just the, it's the Cleveland Charge beat their chest with pride that Dean Wade is a success story of theirs. And yeah, and I, I know that's not, like, that's not, like, sexy for people, but... 
Evan, can we we need to get into the positives because we've talked a lot about like like with the weirdness of this game, and I think we'll talk more about that and oh, looking ahead. Dude, but this these, game, this game at the end, that these these cats have stones. Like they, yeah. I yeah. thought they were dead in the water. I was like, this game's over. And I pre wrote a recap because of the first half. No lie. I big, big mistake. I was just like getting ready to ask JB what went wrong. Um, I was going to ask him about the dunk stuff still. And I said, what did Boston? I mean, that's the other thing is like, I'm working on a story about how the Cavs are leading the league in dunks. Like Boston more or less pre- prevented a lot of rim pressure from Mobley and Allen. Like that's a good defensive tactic on their part. But for some reason, man, this Cavs team has some juice and a lot of credit goes to JB. I think like you and I talked about like the two key factors were Mobley playing 40 minutes and just kind of playing out of his gourd in the second half. And Ricky Rubio just playing with no fear on the floor at times. Like I asked JB, did you plan or draw up Rubio throwing a lob pass to Jared Allen to take the lead in the closing moments of the game? He's like, no, absolutely that, that, not. That, 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 was, that was all. That was, a, that was a, the, yeah. That was Rubio pulling that out of the hat. That was nothing. Yeah, he's just like because JB's the type of coach where he doesn't like his guards to take risks like that because somebody's people have asked him like, do you like it when Rubio plays risky? And he said before the game, he's like, we want Spanish team Ricky Rubio. That's what we told him what we wanted. We sat down. We saw a little bit of the flair for the dramatic with Ricky on that play, and it was the exact spark the Cavs needed to close that game because it was absolute pandemic. Cause like the crowd was feeding off the energy at that point too. Like Jetty hitting that three pointer and Jetty's like, I knew we were going to win the game at that point. For some reason, this Cavs team has stones, like you said, and it's fun to watch. It's great to cover too. Yeah. I, I think a couple of plays that really stood out. Number one, um, I think JB made a, a challenge. He made a challenge called five twenty six to go. This is the goaltending call on Mobley. So Mobley chased down Jason him and blocked the shot. He blocked the shot. It gets called as goaltending. He calls it. The Cavs win his legal block. It, it's a subtle point in there, but it's A, a Mobley highlight, and B, like he made a, a really, really good call uh, to do that. Number one, 130, number two, 139 to go. Mobley posts up and scores. He's quick. He's decisive. And then he ate up Tatum on the other end after just scoring on him. Brilliant 2 a play yep. from Evan Mobley. Love that they went to him late. Love that they gave him that kind of rep. Um, notably, like obviously this was a, a game where like Jared Allen maybe didn't play quite as much because they kind of just leaned on Mobley at the five. They certainly, I think, felt some of the benefits of that um, here. And, Isaac Okoro was a non-factor entirely. I mean, Denzel Valentine was in this game later than Isaac Okoro, which is bad because Denzel Valentine isn't good. But like, no. I understand sort of like how you could be like, okay, I'm going to get the guy who maybe it's going to hit a three if it swings his way and, and trust in him a little bit there. Um, yeah. Cavs in the quarter late in this game, 10 to 21. In the from the field, three twenty one for Boston. Some Garland heroics, some free throws late to kind of win this game. A really good job for him to navigate that switch and get the foul on Smart. I, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but for him to Marcus Smart maybe isn't like absolute like apex like on guards Marcus Smart anymore. Like he's not quite as quick as he was maybe a couple of years ago, but he's still really really good. And oh, Darius Garland like Darius smart. Garland Darius Garland smoked him off with his handle smoked him and got the foul hit the free those yep. calves win the game unbelievable like they won because rubio but like more so because mobley and, and dg did some really crazy stuff when they needed them to yeah that it, it was a lot of fun to watch um, and didn't even talk about the, jetty because the the jetty stop at the, the end jetty, of the game jetty the like, jetty stop and the jetty three like the jetty three to kind of just swing the momentum fully back into cleveland's favor like they, they're getting turkish national team kinda, jetty is the thing. They're getting Spanish national team Ricky, Turkish national team Jetty. Like, I don't know what it is. It's probably not sustainable, but I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. And 
I'm having fun watching these Cavs play. Uh, a fun play for me with Boston, though, is when Jason Tatum tried to do a bunch of dribble moves, I think, to close out the first half. I'm just like, you know, it's not bad for a guy. No knees. I respect it. Not Jason Tatum. Uh, sure, sorry, Jabari Parker. Goodness gracious, I'm all yeah, you're, over the place. You're, you're, you're struggling. Got some scatterbrain. Yeah, um, I, I want to just shout out the Jetty defense, defense for a second because I think we should – well, and talk about this game and this because I don't think there's a play to me that – epitomizes what has gone right for this Cavs team so far than that play because last year, Jetty Osman in J.B. Biggers has doghouse shooting awfully from three, not playing hard, playing awful defense. The end of that game, Yudoka basically said straight up post game, we tried to hunt Jetty Osman in that situation. We thought we could get a bucket yep. on him in that moment. And Jetty held up. He made an incredible defensive play. His feet were solid. His body was solid. He, he contested the shot tightly. He played with confidence. He played hard on defense this most of this league, this entire game. He's played mo- hard on defense for most of this season. That is sort of, to me, part of the recipe for this Cavs team. The fact that yeah. they have just gotten guys to buy and to play hard, and Jetty just being a guy that has looked like a good NBA player again after looking awful last year it has just been a big swing. It really has been huge, I think. Having him and Rubio coming off the bench together in tandem is a good shot in the arm for the Cavs, too. I know it's something JB really likes to deploy. I think that was a key factor in starting Isaac over Rubio when Colin went down with his knee injury because he kind of likes the, the spark Jetty and Rubio provide together. And I think it's pretty clear because Ricky looks for Jetty pretty early into the game when they first check in together to kind of get him going to build some momentum, too. But yeah, no, like you said, JB and this staff have this team playing hard every single night. Maybe it's Maybe it is Evan Mobley just kind of being otherworldly defensively and Jared Allen providing so much room protection and like Isaac Okoro being a stud defensively too. Like it's just kind of the mindset. Like maybe maybe this whole dog thing Darius Garland keeps promoting because Darius keeps talking about how he likes playing defense more than he likes scoring, which is weird because I think he's an incredibly talented offensive player. So yeah, it's just fun, man. Like I, I there's just no other way to explain it. By no convention of the word, the Cavs should have won this game. Um Emi Udoka outcoached J.B. Bickerstaff for the first three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, something J.B. did just kind of, yeah, it was, it was sticking with Rubio down the entire stretch. So that that, that was his decision that just kind of baffled the Celtics a little mm-hmm. bit. And I think Rubio just kind of being a little too high on his own supply really pushed the Cavs over the edge. Yeah, I I am I, very excited for for Monday's rematch. We'll talk about that after the break. But first, got to tell everyone about our friends at Bill Bar. Evan, I love Thanksgiving, and it's coming up soon. There's so much good food, there's it's, treats, it's and there's plenty of it. On me. I'm going to be showing up empty-handed Thanksgiving dinner. I might have to bring some Built Bars as my dessert option. So look, perfect time for Built Bars. It's the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that is on the low end. There are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein in a Built Bar. There are so many great flavors. Coconut, if you want to place a coconut pie. Raspberry to replace that raspberry pie. And you could find other ones you just like because they're chocolatey and they're good. I mean, I just ordered some coconut brownie chunk ones because they're back in stock. And that is an all-time Bilt Bar flavor. They're covered in 100% chocolate. Great option for when you're hungry. And, you know, if Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough and you want a treat now, go for a Bilt Bar or two. I'm going to take one to eat after I run the turkey trot in downtown Cleveland because I'm going to want some protein after to hold me over to dinner. And that's going to be a really healthy, efficient way for me to do that. There are new surprises all month. And remember, there's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. So mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. 
go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 50% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Evan, I'm going to mute my mic and cough for a second. And while I do that, tell me okay. what you're looking forward to in, in round two of Cap Celtics. Well, I was wondering because Jalen Brown was a late scratch for the Celtics in Saturday's game. I thought maybe after watching how Boston you mean, you mean Al Horford. Al Horford and Jalen Brown both were late scratches well, for Boston. Well, Jalen well, Jalen had pulled his hamstring the night before, and it was kind of clear I thought that he wasn't going to play. They but the Celtics had announced like thirty minutes before tip well, saying like was they were on the but because of NBA rules yeah, they were on the second half of back to back blah blah blah. I know. Either way, so I thought maybe if Jalen Brown did play on Monday, if he inexplicably and hammies are tough, they're they're awkward and hard to navigate. Um, I thought to myself, I'm like the Cavs could really be thrown into a grinder here because Darius could have to deal with Jalen Brown defending him, with Marcus Smart playing off of Isaac Okoro or Jason Tatum playing off of Isaac Okoro, and they could just throw the two Jays or one of the Jays with Marcus on top of Darius and just kind of smother him offensively. And just kind of keep him out of rhythm too. Um, no, instead it's just going to be Tristan Thompson's son Al Horford, probably making his return to Cleveland again. Like you said, the, the Celtics could hide him on Isaac Okoro and kind of let him provide help and pack the paint a bit more and frustrate Mobley and Allen a lot more. I'm wondering what adjustments Emi Odoka is going to make because again, I think he's a very sound tactician defensively. Uh, there's there are some limitations on Boston's offense, and I'm wondering what JV is going to do to kind of maybe get a spark in this team because you do not want to have a repeat of scoring only nine points in the first quarter because, again, it was more or less a miracle that the Cavs won this game. On they, they aren't winning a game if they do that again. They're not going to win if that happens no. again. If I do, if they do, I my I'm going to be more scatterbrained than I am now talking about Monday's game than I am talking about Saturday's game. Um. I'm curious to see what they do. I, I hope Evan Mobley takes more threes because his offensive game just keeps growing and growing with every game. Like it's nuts, man. He mentioned Friday when they played Detroit that he wants to take more three pointers and he took, I believe one or two against Detroit and made him. He took one or two against Boston and maybe made one of them. Like if he could provide some, let's say just extra three point gravity or some, some spacing on the offense that makes Jared Allen's life a hell of a lot easier too. And like Cleveland's offense could really be clicking. I'm just, I don't know, man. I think I'm more so looking at to see what Boston's going to do because they just straight up melted down in the fourth quarter. And they've kind of done that a lot this year from what I've gathered, but I'm just curious to see what they do. Um, a lot of their bench pieces are just non-factors. I just, the picks Danny Ainge made with all those picks still are questionable, but, um, yeah, and I also just don't think Marcus Smart's a starting point guard. I also think that's a problem for Boston too. I think they need to go get like an actual point guard to start for them. Yeah, um, I th- I think one of the things I'm really intrigued by on both sides for this game is just that this is one of those weird situations where we're in season and you're getting a team, two teams playing each other in the same city over the course of a couple of days. You don't normally get that in the NBA. You just don't. You you your adjustments you're making game to game are more macro and more about your team specifically. I'll be really curious to see how the Cavs in particular adjust after what they saw on Saturday. Because hey, let's assume Horford plays. It adds another good good smart defender to Boston's repertoire to their rotation. Defensive threat, but yes, yeah, a defensive threat. But I mean, Al Horford's going to be a positive for them. And so he's kind of been key to what they do, right? The Cavs have to figure out like how their offense can work a little bit better. Some of the second half stuff I think was 
just sort of guys making really high end plays and like not, nothing that was really like a schematic shifter or some kind of like hard adjust, like some bigger adjustment. They need to figure out like one of the things that will be tricky for this team going forward is going to be okay. If especially while Khan is out for however long that's going to be, we don't exactly, again, we don't have a, a clear timeline on that as of right now. It could be, you know, it could be a while. It's going to be a while probably. With mm-hmm. with that situation, you ha- in your when you don't have Ricky and Darius on the floor together, you have to find these pressure escape valves to like create offense. Create um, you have to kind of handle sort of those opportunities well, and they didn't do that. It, are there little tweaks they can make to do that? Are there little things they can add in just to to kind of cope with what Boston is going to throw back at them? Because it would not surprise me if Boston looks at the the big picture of Saturday's game particularly in the first half, and says, okay, a lot of our game plan here worked. We didn't execute well in the second half. We can fix that. Let's just run this game plan back, make a couple adjustments on this on the smaller side, and we'll figure this out. And if you're the Cavs, I think you have to be like, okay, mm-hmm. there, there's some work we need to do here to figure some of this out. And, it, and it's also a learning thing for them, right? This is a team that, you know, has to th- this was like one of the first games we've seen where like Mobley at the five was really like the dynamic key piece for them as opposed to him and Allen closing games together this was mm-hmm. a game where the offense was like a lot of Darius doing and, and Ricky doing Darius and Ricky stuff and them figuring it out like yeah there, there's a reason that I think JB just was like hey Denzel Valentine I'm just gonna try something because I feel like I need to try something here it, it's just a, a way to do it like well, I there, there's like I, just I some weirdness I would have played if LeBar was available yeah, but I mean, like he, the, going to him and then sticking with him late in the second half, just because he was on the floor when the game sort of shifted, was just like a, I'm just gonna like ride out what's working here. Like it was yeah, a very fair. like tense playoff kind of thing. And this that's is like the this is like say. this is like the game to game adjustment stuff we don't get to see. I wish we, frankly, one of the things I would love in the NBA schedule, and I don't know, I don't necessarily know why they don't do this. His baseball scheduling, not necessarily like the full on baseball scheduling, but like a approximation of it like we saw it a little bit during the pandemic because it was like we want to limit travel and we think uh-huh. and that was smart i love when you can get two teams like this and back to back like that i think it's cool i, I it's think it's cool, cool that they're playing the, the nets like really and... close together within like a week of each other i think that's also cool i want to see more of that i do too and actually it's a good point because jetty apparently was telling some of the younger players like this is what a playoff game feels like like this <laughs> NBA, high intensity, NBA, high yeah NBA, NBA uh nba finalist Jetty Osmond, ladies and gents, but that that's a good point because this kind of has a baseball-y feel to it where it's a two-game series more or less, and then they maybe like then you think though they go on the road to play in Boston or whatever. But like it's really gonna be a tactical battle between Emi Odoka and JB Baker staff and both the Boston and Cleveland staff respectively to figure out what adjustments you make. And I think you're spot on with what you said about Boston, where they say we were doing a lot of the right things in the first half. We just continue to execute that, maybe make a few small alterations. And maybe we find more ways to frustrate their smaller guards. I guess Ricky Rubio isn't is more of a traditional size point guard, but Darius Garland's small compared to like Marcus Smart or Jason Tatum or whomever they throw at him. Um for Cleveland, I wonder if they defend the, I mean, I don't, their three point defense was not great against Boston. I'll say like Jason Tatum was killing them at times from three. Dennis Schroeder was getting any shot he wanted because they were kind of putting Darius Garland in a grinder on defense at times. So I wonder what adjustments Boston makes. And also what I wonder what adjustments Cleveland makes too, just to kind of counterbalance some of the things that were killing them. Maybe so it's not as dire or stressful as a game for the coaching staff. Yeah, um, for, and also just because we've kind of talked around him a little bit, and we're gonna again we're gonna do a whole episode on him 
uh, coming up in the near-ish future. Um, I I have it on the written calendar for for the sword of when that's going to come up. But um, I, I just want to see what Okora looks like. This is just going to be a thing. This is just a thing now. Yeah. Um, it's it's a game to game thing. Like I don't. I think it's like a fun. It's like I chuckled at the joke, but it's it's true too. It's zero K zero R zero right now. Like he has zero impact on offense and like defensively, he does a lot of stuff, but he cannot be Andre Roberson for the Cavs. He needs to provide a little bit of juice somehow, some way offensively. Yeah, and look, I am. I'm a be- Isaac believer. I, I so think he'll. I. I, I think he's gonna like ultimately like be fine in some way. But um, there's something just a little off in the water right now, and some of that can be him finding his role. Some of that can be him like coming back from injury and like the, the, like everything is just a little like. Here's the thing. Cleveland's everything next with the five game- games aren't a good way to find your niche, my guy. Well, but th- the thing that I will say to empathize with him as we wrap up is just this calf season, I think to some degree has been a little of like, we're finding stuff that works as it goes. And it is a little of like, we're making do with what is here and we are screwing through this. If there's anyone who is going to kind of be at a little bit of a disadvantage in that kind of environment and is maybe looks just a little out of place as they're playing right now, it's going to be a guy who doesn't have like a clear, like catch and shoot offensive role. Isn't really like he's doing a little bit of cutting and, but he's not really, we're not really seeing him attack closeouts like he might have last year a guy who played a ton of minutes last year and has had his minutes cut and a guy who just came back from injury. Like everything is just like a little wonky for him. Whereas like Mobley is just like a basketball savant. Rubio is, is Ricky Rubio. Darius Garland has incredible feel. The things that are fueling this Cavs team right now are like those guys and them figuring stuff out. Okoro is like not quite that kind of piece and he can be really effective. He's had some really, really good defensive moments. He had some good defensive moments against Boston there's just like some stuff with him where it's like, okay, we got to like figure it out. I mean, like, to, like he had a charge against Marcus Smart re- and, and again, in the third quarter where he just like barreled into DeMarcus Smart. Like it was just very yeah. like bull in a China shop and a guy like kind of processing what's going on. And he's not a, he's not like the intuitive, like figured out on the fly kind of thing. Like, I, to me, it seems like this is going to be a thing where like, if he comes out of this in a positive way, it's going to be like a navigation kind of thing. And all yeah. the, and again, all of the season is still weird. Like it is not quite as weird as last year or the year before because of the pandemic and all that stuff. But like he was off of injury and he comes back and everything's just a little bit different. And I'm sure there's some effect there that is not like fun to, I just think it's pragmatic. Do you think about it that way? I'm such like a macro thing on this Cavs team still where it's like, I, I think this is still, a big picture project versus like a right now oh, kind yeah. of thing. And I'm that, with, so. that that colors everything that I think about this team. I think it's just that I think this is still very much like a, not a right now thing. This is, a, it's very fun right now. They are very, they're playing their asses off right now. All that stuff. Mobley, Mobley is incredible. Like full stop. Enjoy him right now. It is, yeah. this, it's this is, be, it's the most fun team team since like, I don't even know LeBron era Cavs because I had fun watching them after even after they got embarrassed by the Knicks. Not the first LeBron era Cavs, the first year of the second LeBron era. I'm just like, well, but even this is like this this is like less stressful. You know what I mean? Like this is a lot more pressure there. But like covering, this is maybe this is we'll do this as a whole episode. But I kind of think if you go back to that like second LeBron era, like even that first year was like it was tense right away. Like getting to start to cover those teams. It was very much just like okay, like there, there's like tension and like this is a little more. That's fair. You know, I, I think there's some of it we don't fully always know because like there, especially with no locker room access and stuff. But like, mm-hmm. and when you hear guys post game, it is like sort of guys that kind of certain speed or whatever. But like you, there's a 
there's a little just like buoyancy and jovialness and vibes that are just sort of correct here in a way that like, I don't know what the last time that has been this sort of not stress-free, but like, not like weight of the world on their shoulders. Capsule. Like it hasn't felt like this in a while. No, I absolutely agree with that. I think this game against Boston, the, the Saturday one, just toss it up. I guess the Cavs just, sports cliched their way to the win on that one. I think Cleveland's next five games are going to be a real gut check for this team. And they're like kind of first test of adversity post Colin sex injury. They play Boston on Monday. They play Brooklyn on Wednesday. They come home immediately to play golden state on Thursday. They pray. Then they take a few days off to play Brooklyn again on Monday. And then they host Phoenix on Wednesday. And if you really want to get grimy with it, they play the jazz as well. Soon after that, like that's a, pretty tough six game stretch for a young team and like some of it's on the road most of it's at home i think them being home helps a lot but we'll have a clear idea of what the dichotomy of this Cavs team is without colin sexton probably by the time they wrap things up against utah because it's a mm-hmm. lot of interesting tests for a lot of different players mobley allen garland decoro you name it it's going to be a lot of people are going to be tested jb's going to be tested um mm-hmm. But like you said, enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, just kind of enjoy it on a game-to-game basis. I'm not going to tell you how to fan, obviously, but don't get too caught up in the details because this isn't a finished project. This isn't a finished product, I should say. Like, Allen is the only certainty in terms of the young core. Maybe Obviously, Mobley, too. But, like, I feel Garland is safe. But, like, anybody could be available for the right price if it makes things better for the Cavs. But we don't have a clear vision, really, of what this team can be yet. But we're getting an idea of at least they're learning how to win in real time. And that's just fun to see. Yep. All right. We'll be back. Uh, Cavs play the Celtics at home again Monday, 7 p.m. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. We'll be covering that and looking ahead to the rest of the week and, and some other things coming out of that game uh, on Tuesday's show. Until then, it's been Locked on Cavs. I'm Chris. He's Evan. Have a good one.